Welcome to Guild Lores, a podcast dedicated to unearthing the deep lore of Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2. I am Joe Neustel, and between myself and my co-host, Tony, we have over 20 years of experience with the Guild Wars franchise and still manage to know very little. So without further ado, here he is, Tyria's sweetheart, Melandru's dirty boy, Confessor Tony Melchor. Tony, how are you doing today? Hello. I'm doing good. How about yourself? Good. I'm doing well. Thank you. Today finds me well, my friend. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to be talking about some lore. Me too. Don't sound so convincing. Me too. I'm not super excited. I've been wanting to do this episode for a long time, but it is sticky and tricky and icky. No, it's not icky. Sad. It is a little sad. It is sad. <laughs> but it's just a little confusing as the story was disjointed in Guild Wars 1, as disjointed as Guild Wars 1 already was. <laughs> so we brushed over this in our Humans episode. We've brushed right past it in the Flame Seeker Prophecies. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to get knee deep. We're going in it. We're going in the thick of it. Feel free to ask questions along the way if things get a little muddy. Okay. Today, we are going to be talking about the Crichton Civil War. Spicy, spicy, spicy. Did you play the bonus mission packs for Guild Wars 1? I don't think I had them. Ooh, so you're fresh to the, fresh to the, well, not all of it is is held within the bonus mission packs, more of just the end, or like the middle end. Hmm, okay. Was that the ones that came with Winds of Change? Yes, Guild Wars Beyond, I think, is the official title now. Mm, I didn't. I don't. I don't think I. I didn't know about them for a little while, and then I just at that point I wasn't playing, so I never bought them. Cool. Well, now it's time. Now I get to learn about them. It's time. Well, some of it. So, where do you think this takes place? Uh, Cantha. Cantha, that's right. Actually, it takes place so their story specifically in the Jade Sea. Ah, that's where you're, that's where I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna beg to differ with you. <laughs> the Crichton Civil War begins in Xingje Monastery. Oh, God. okay. <laughs> so Crichta is the current seat of the human monarchy in Divinity's Reach. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all nestled there, nice and lush green. What Ascalon once was. It's the last true bastion for humankind on the mainland continent of Tyria after the collapse of Ascalon, the withdrawal from Ilona after the rise of Palavajoko. Mm-hmm. It's home. But for the relative peace that humanity enjoys there, I mean relative peace because the world is still very <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. But for the peace that they do enjoy within their borders, uh, there was a price. Naturally. This price was the blood of humanity let by humanity itself in a war that spanned loosely from 1072 to 1079 AE. Most civil wars start with a state of political instability, one side against the other. Yeah. I mean, throughout history, this is just a general sense. Mm Mm-hmm. The political instability beginning in Krita happened when the Char invaded. They were emboldened by their continuing victories over the kingdom of Ascalon, due in large part to their allegiance with the Titans, Mm -hmm. the minions of Abaddon. And the Char were as successful in subduing Krita uh, as they were when they invaded Ascalon, really. They were just just kicking ass all over the place. 
They had the spicy death bowl, the cauldron of cataclysm. Oh, they could yeah. not be stopped. Spicy death bowl. It's too spicy. So yeah, they were successful. And this is when King Jaden, the descendant of the bloodline of King Doric, flees Krita, leaving the Crichtons to their own devices. <laughs> Much like the gods. <laughs> He's like, peace. The gods own image. He, Hey, man. Um... <laughs> responsibilities are the least godly thing on on the uh on the planet is Tyria even a planet is Tyria a planet yeah realm i'm a flat Tyria (laughs) (laughs) flat Tyria so it's during this time that an exile known as Saul D'Alessio D'Alessio I think that's right D'Alessio 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 Saul So he's addicted to gambling and alcohol, and he takes to robbing people to pay his debts. (laughs) Basically, this gets him recognized as a general menace to society, Mm -hmm. and he kind of gets himself in too deep, and they kick him out of his village. And while he's wandering the Crichton wilderness, he's starved, he's delusional, he's beaten by the elements he's really he's really feeling low (laughs) i mean he has to be i mean he's no survivalist he's a con man yeah well he comes upon a city towering just beautiful magic overflowing and these graceful creatures flying through the air Mm. come up to him and he has no other option really but to bend the knee so he accepts them as his gods, and back to Krita he goes. Okay, okay. These gods he finds are the Unseen Ones, the Mursat. If we all remember the Mursat, they were credited with assaulting Zaitan 11,000 years earlier in the previous Dragon Awakening, shoulder to shoulder with our friends, friend of the show, the Forgotten. <laughs> so his return to Krita, he brings back his faith. And he shows the other Crichtons who are growing more and more disillusioned as time goes on in this war against the Char. Losing hope, probably. I mean, your king has fled. Yeah. And who do you turn to but the guy with the super powerful magic friends? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good guild name. Magic friends. Magic friends. That is really good. Magic friends. So this is when he gains a following. He he forms the White Mantle. It basically builds itself. People are looking for faith, and Saul has found it. Mm-hmm. If somebody needs some help, what do you do? You better call Saul. <laughs> you better call Saul, yeah. Easy way to get followers. Everyone's in disarray. They need something. But he does step up to the plate. When Krita is in its deepest peril... Our boy comes through. He assumes the role of general among his flock, and he manages to even halt the Char advance. Okay. But the war would be far from over. But unwilling to fight that lengthy, bloody war against the Flame Legion, Saul finds another path. Saul is a con man, and he's all (laughs) about the shortcuts in life. So he and his elite guard, with the help of the Mursat, plan to assassinate Magus Emberglow, the general of the Char forces in Krita, the general of the assaulting force of Krita. Yeah, okay. 
should clarify because there's other shit going on everywhere else yeah. with them. So they plan to assassinate him, and the plan works. In the ensuing disarray, three of his accompanying Mursat go ape shit, and they fucking slaughter everybody. Damn. So they go super hard, and then... Like everybody, including their own? Well... Un- unhinged they just come completely unhinged and show their true nature yeah as their scary magical powers yeah they're like evil tyrannical sycophant like design you know basically a wide opener for their followers yeah they turn on their followers who are with them the elite guard oh fuck anybody oh, who no. is shaken or seems as if they are not devout to the cause of the white mantle is slain on sight. God damn. Right. Holy shit. Truly talk about showing your true colors. Damn, that's some hardcore shit. And Saul, with his deep sense of regret that he has unleashed an even worse outcome on his people by um, bringing them home, essentially. He's He's brought the monster into the house. Well, old Saul gets carried away. He doesn't get slain. He gets carried away. Do you know where he goes, Tony? Mm. You're the raid boss, man. You should know this one. Bastion of the Penitent? That's right. And do you know what happens to him? Uh, His guilt is transformed into a crazy-ass demon, basically. And he's, like, trapped, held hostage by it. Well, he is kept alive by an ancient artifact. Is it that candle? The Eye of Janthir. Oh, God. Keeps him alive for nearly 300 years so diamos can feed off of his sorrow and despair and only is he freed when a group of raiders quote unquote <laughs> kill diamos right so that's what happens to old saul better not call saul let's let's uh let's delete his number Maybe block him? Yeah. Maybe no. block him? If he calls, do not pick up that phone, Tony. So this chain of events, in spite of how terrible it is, gets covered up and is a chain of events that in turn cements the white mantle as the bringers of law and order to the land of Krita. A flimsy monarch, Saul being a flimsy cultist, and now we have a power vacuum. Yeah. This power vacuum is filled by one such attendant of this massacre, someone who was spared by the Mursat, Confessor Dorian. Confessor Melchor. (laughs) It was me the whole time. You've been the cornerstone of every story in every episode so far. I'm just that good. I'm just that good. So this Confessor Dorian fellow, he would go on to lead the mantle, ruling Krita with an iron fist Bad into man. a new dark age. What was that? Bad man. Yes, indeed. A very bad man. And he grows more ruthless and tyrannical as the years pass. Fortunately, it's human nature to defy tyranny. <laughs> I think for the most part. Seems like it. And this inspires, it sparks rebellion in the hearts of a group of Crichtons. The rebels become adept at concealing themselves in the wilds, disrupting white mantle activity and striking small units by surprise. Small small units of the white mantle by surprise. Mm -hmm. 
They were essentially the pinnacle of guerrilla warfare at this time. They would go on to be known as the Shining Blade. Hell yeah. To compound this, in the year 1072 AE, a priestess named Salma at the Temple of the Ages is revealed to be the illegitimate daughter of the flimsy King Jaden. <laughs> she, unlike her father, Jaden. 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 Shame on you, Jaden. She is not like him. She has a backbone. She does. I mean, can you blame the guy? I'm glad I'm not king of Krita during the Char invasion. I guess that's true. But I mean, he's no Adelburn. <laughs> yeah. But she, unlike her father, is strong. She becomes a stalwart survivalist, powerful fighter, keen tactician, and a symbol of hope for the people of Krita, a real rallying cry for the Shining Blade. She rises through their ranks and really embodies the cause. Damn, damn. Complete 180 contrast. Yeah, she's got the Doric blood. Fucking A. That real seal the bloodstones with your life kind of lineage. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Doric. Rip. <laughs> Thanks, R. man. R.I.P., man. Real, real Jesus figure right there. I guess so, yeah. Kind of like giving him, yeah. Sacrificing. Anyway, anyway. We won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read the Bible yet. Soon. Soon. Just for shits. During the reign of Confessor Dorian, the mantle established an annual ritual in which they took the Eye of Janthir around from village to village to find a certain group of people that I would choose them. They obviously would be known as the Chosen. <laughs> what? It chose them, and guess what? They're the chosen. Indeed, and the chosen. They're just carrying around an eye. Like, is this the one? Well, it's like not even really shaped like an eye. It's, it's a big just a triangle. triangle or a pyramid. <laughs> I just that imagery of them just like, I guess it floats by itself. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just like, kind of like softly pushing the air. Come this way, eye. Check him out. So the Chosen were forced to leave their homes. They traveled deep into the Maguma jungle with a, uh, you know, they're bound. They have a white mantle blade in their back. They don't have much of a choice. So, yeah, they're forced to leave their homes in March. Damn, that sucks. This, in the eyes of the white mantle, is a great honor. An honor? But really what they're getting is slaughtered. This is like a cult ritual sacrifice. Yeah. They're killed on the bloodstones to weaken the seal that Doric put there. Interesting. So that the Mersat may one day feast on the magic that gets released. Oh, shit. Right. Oh, no. you imagine? No. That spectral ag- agony already hurts. There would be no stopping them. Jesus. Using their wiles of the wilds. <laughs> nice. The Shining Blade freed as many of the Chosen as they could. And within the events of the Flame Seeker prophecies, the White Mantle suffers a succession of crippling blows to their organization. Justiciar? Justiciar? We've done this before. I know. And it... <laughs> Oh, you stinking words. Justice, y'all. Justice, here. Hablion. 
mm-hmm. a high-ranking white mantle, one of the few remaining survivors of the Rise of the White Mantle mission, which is the one where they all get brutally slain <laughs> at the end, Justicier Hableon, well, he is slain at Bloodstone Fen, crippling wound two. Confessor Dorian dies at the hands of the Ascalonian heroes of the Flameseeker prophecies at Thunderhead Keep. And almost immediately following that, the Titans are released from the door of Kamali in the Ring of Fire Islands. The Titans are spread throughout Tyria via Abaddon's fire portals. <laughs> via Uber. Via Uber. <laughs> they, 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 <laughs> damn it. Just, they just... <laughs> on, a fucking on Honda hatchback just rolls up. <laughs> Titan gets out. Are you a... Uh, are you capital T Titan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just come out where they're fucking their iPhone 10s or whatever they're at right now, 13 or some shit. I just called Joe. He's got a bottle of water for us. <laughs> <laughs> looking up five stars. Comes in, looks in up coffee shops and <laughs> restaurants. <laughs> So, if they were asking their Uber drivers what was in the area, the Titans would be asking them where the Mersat at. Mm-hmm. Because the Titans basically drive the Mersat to the edge of extinction. Damn. It's a war in and of itself between mm-hmm. the Mersat and the Titans. And there's bad shit going on all around. Yeah. Like you said. It's a rough one. So, anyway, the story goes, Flame Secret Prophecies, check that episode out. Yep. We, we discern that the Titans, the door is closed. The door of Kamali is closed, so they can no longer pass into the mortal realm, and you clean the Titans out. And once that is done, the White Mantle is left directionless and frail. A man named Isaiah steps forward to take the role of confessor, but their lack of strength and the rising star that is Salma, this prompts confessor Isaiah to be to, to to utilize excessive cruelty. Oof. This may have been the final downfall as the harsh lockdown he imposes to remain in control of the nation is the most restrictive that they've ever seen. He creates a complete police state and he even uses mercenaries to help seal the cracks left by their past defeats. Oh my god. And like having tyranny reign in your in your in your country that makes you uncomfortable and then if like the entire power structure is shifted by a group of heroes you know passing through and fucking everything up someone else takes the mantle and just locks it down even harder that's some crazy shit no one's gonna be happy and just brings in thugs and you know whoever he can to control the area that is a really good way to to charge the rebel spirit. It, it mm-hmm. makes the shining blade look really good. Really good. Scaring the shit out of your citizens, out of your subjects, I guess. I mean, and they have a queen to look up to, a, like the bloodline of Doric. That's a history. That's a lineage. That is that is legit. That is legit. Yeah. Yes. How they prove that, I don't really know. Well, the gods are at Toa, right? Maybe true. Like they're spirits, they're avatars. Mm. Maybe they just like said some shit. Just like, oh, by the way, <laughs> it was some dude who figured it out. I should have written his name down. Sorry about that. There's never enough words to cover all the lore. There's always <laughs> something that escapes. Okay. 
Well, that's good to know. Okay. But at this point, the Shining Blade and Salma press the advantage, and they manage to take back Lion's Arch. And from here, they're able to orchestrate a string of aggressive and successful assassin- assassination attempts. Assassination Assassination. <laughs> well, they're just walking up and gently placing Sash's second place on all of the white mantle. <laughs> they're just, they crumple and pure defeat. They're just like, their spirit breaks. They, they quit. <laughs> this is supposed to be a very, like, intense part of the war, but now it just seems like a beauty pageant. And they're like, ah, Isaiah, you ugly. Get out. Second place. Boo. 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 So. They orchestrate these assassination attempts, Mm -hmm. and they end the life of three of the remaining Mursat, which is a big deal, considering there are only four more, and they also clean up many high-ranking white mantle. Damn, that last boy. Mm Mm-hmm. All alone. Kind of sad. And the last of the Mursat get fucking furious. I would be too. And they force the white mantle to assemble everyone they have, and they do an all-out assault against Lion's Arch. Oh shit! And they go, all, they go all in. Yes, this is the battle for Lion's Arch, and this is the final battle in the Crichton Civil War. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just the Shining Blade who was fighting for Lion's Arch on this battlefield. There were the Lion Guard. And there were even troops from Ascalon. They had the Ebon Vanguard there, which is like kind of like a special forces unit of the Ascalonian military. By this point, Ascalon had fallen. Um, the Ebon Vanguard was off in Eye of the North, I believe, and they moved down into Krita to assist. That's cool. They just wanted to lend a hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're fighting for the good, I guess that's what you do. And in the end... The monarchy would be reinstated, and the descendant of High King Doric would be put upon the throne. Peace and prosperity would mark the following years for Krita, and Salma would be remembered as Queen Salma the Great. Queen Salma the Great. Or good. I don't remember if it was good or great, but I think she's pretty dang great. (laughs) Queen Salma the Awesome. She did a really good job. So I'm going to say G-R-E-A-T, great. G-R-A-T-E, great. She was great at them assassinations. (laughs) The Shining Blade would be moved to another role in the future and would move through history as the elite defenders of the Crichton royalty, of the human royalty. It's currently headed by Queen Jenna's premier confidant, Countess Anise. Sick. The one who saved her... When Logan Thackeray couldn't. Look at that. Her actually doing her job. Look at her actually doing her fucking job, Logan. Who knew she had some special elite forces backing her up? Wow. Holy Who fuck. Should have just trusted the fucking process, man. Snap would still be alive. This isn't the episode for that, though. The ideals of the white mantle are not entirely stamped out on the day of the final battle of the Crichton Civil War either. But you might have to find that out for yourself in Guild Wars 2. <laughs> Did you ever play through any of that? Maybe. I didn't think so. Probably not. 
So the changes can be seen in the echoes of one of the most formative times for humanity in mainland Tyria reverberates off the walls of Divinity's Reach over the fields of Queensdale and across the Bay of Lion's Arch as time moves ever onward. That was nice. And that is our tale for the day. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. That's some shit. What are your thoughts on the Crichton Civil War, Tony? Pretty gnarly, honestly. I mean, it's just, it makes sense. Your king leaves, like the white mantle gaining power, and then Saul. All those, like, domino pieces, like, just make sense if that make if that makes sense. It just, of course, of course, why wouldn't that happen? Yeah, it makes sense, like, um, just, like, one thing leading to another. I was reading, <laughs> I was reading an interview, and oddly enough, Ruby from ArenaNet mm. was was interviewing for uh shit i can't remember what the outlet was but it was she was like as an entity for um an, another news source gaming news source interviewing arena net people oh. <laughs> so it was like a throwback interviewing about that and there was a question in there that was like did you know that you were it was about uh it was like 10 years ago and it was about the release of the bonus mission packs in guild wars beyond and they were like, "Did you, the question was, do you did you know that you were going to get back into the lore of the White Mantle and the Shining Blade?" And it's like, man, how can you not, if you're going to expand further? Yeah, yeah. Like that's a, it, it's just a very good. It's a good timeline. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, well, it's just too much gravity there, too much gravity for like the region. I mean, it's the humans' realm. Mm-hmm. They're an important race. Of course, they're going to expand on it. How could they not? I mean, like, you just have to. And the way they did it, here's a fun little side note. The way that they rolled out the bonus mission pack was in stages. So they release a little bit at a time, like a mission here. Oh, this popped up. A mission here. Oh, this popped up. Oh, that's kind of cool. Assassination so, like... here, assassination there. Like, Okay. So they rolled it out in stages. Which was kind of the groundwork, I think, for the launch of Guild Wars 2 and like the very first seed of the living world ideology yeah. coming to life in the Guild Wars universe. I was going to say that's like parallel. That makes, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So I think we have some new player advice today. Yeah. Tony, you, um, this is some, this is not just for new players too. I mean, this is some good advice. If you don't know about, what are we doing? Combo fields? Combo fields. If you don't know about combo fields, learn about combo fields. I know there's somebody out there right now who has maybe not even seen it in the tooltips. They've been playing for five, six years, <laughs> and they've never even looked at it or noticed. If that's you, if you've neglected it, stick around, listen to this. I mean, I didn't know. I kind of knew sort of like i know some things would like interact but for the most part even now it's still kind of like getting my head around it after like reading the things for it but um yeah so combo fields uh what is a combo field a combo field is a skill that creates an area of effect of a specific type uh there are nine different combo fields which is is a lot wow tony was that your discord blinging right on the microphone Oh my god, Tony. Are you a gamer? You have Discord? Yeah. Nerd. Who oh, no. 
I'm going to delete it and put back Skype. Hell yeah, brother. We're going to Ventrilo. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So there are nine different combo fields, and there are four different types of finishers. They go blast, leap, projectile, and whirling. And when these finishers interact, they cause a reaction. So um, I'll give you a quick example. So if you're an elementalist and you put down your flame wall, um, another player, such as a warrior with axes, they use, they're on the flame wall. Your flame wall is a combo field. They use their axes and they trigger a whirling finisher on it, which uh, basically shoots out fiery bolts, causes burning. Yeah, I think the most basic combination that I can sort of think of is the Guardian Guardian Greatsword. If you lay down the Guardian Greatsword 4. Yep, the symbol. The symbol. And then if you're in melee range, you hit the 3, you pop right into it. Mm -hmm. You just instantly get that bubble around you, and it's 10% damage reduction. Just the easiest practice for a combo field you can do. Mm -hmm. Just getting used to the idea or i guess not even a combo field just a combo <laughs> yeah i'm gonna give you quick definitions as they are in the wiki the first one being for blast finisher so this applies effects to foes or allies in the area where the blast occurs in a radius of 360 second leap finisher applies their effect either to the target foe or yourself uh, third projectile finisher Applies their effect either to the target foe or to the allies within 240 radius of the target. And fourth, whirling. Causes multiple projectiles to be launched in random directions. And that's, you know, pretty straightforward. What's your favorite kind, Tony? What's your favorite kind of finisher? Probably whirling, I think. All those, like, little animations just popping out is really cool. Yeah, I'm a leap guy. That came off of the smoke scale with a uh, mm -hmm. pet with the ranger, with the ranger. ranger greatsword yep. three. Yep. Invisible, free invisibility. That's really useful when you're about to die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So here are the combo fields and bear with me. The first combo field, dark field. The blast finisher causes area blindness uh, to your target. Or around the area, you know, pretty straightforward. Uh, Leap Finisher causes Dark Aura, which reduces incoming condition damage and torment each time, and causes torment to your foe each time you're hit, but that has like a one second cooldown because otherwise it'd be too OP. Projectile Finisher gives life stealing, and the Whirling Finisher shoots, up, shoots off uh, leeching bolts. So, Dark Field, basically just nice utility. Yeah, it's pretty good for just supporting mm -hmm. generally. You can blind, you can, you know, suppress enemy damage, you can gain your health back. Yeah. Uh, the second one, Ethereal Field. Blast Finisher causes Chaos Aura, Gis, which gives you random boons to yourself and random conditions to your allies when you are or to your foe, sorry, when you are struck. The Leap Finisher gives Chaos Aura, uh, which is basically the same thing. You just give it to yourself instead of allies. Projectile Finisher gives confusion to your foe. And Whirling Finisher shoots off confounding bolts, which give confusion as well. Third, Fire Field. I think this one might be my favorite. Blast Finisher gives off area might. Leap Finisher gives fire aura. Uh, you get a fiery shield that burns foes and grants might whenever you are struck. Projectile Finisher gives burning stacks with each projectile. Whirling Finisher sh shoots off burning bolts, which I think is dope. So if you're 
say you're a power warrior mm. and an elementalist drops a fire field, a Condi spec Ellie, mm. and you whirl your axes in there and you start spitting out burning bolts. Whose condition damage is that going to? I think that one's going to be yours. I'm not entirely sure, but I think whenever you activate it, it's going to be off scale off you. So what you're telling me is if I took boon duration and then stealth. Well, I guess that's not even a boon. Stealth? Uh, no. I don't think it's technically no, the same thing. I think so. It's like quickness, or not quickness, um, super speed, right? I don't think you can oh. elongate that. Whatever, it's neither here nor there. Mm. Carry on, my <laughs> man. <laughs> All right, the fourth field. Ice field. The blast finisher gives off frost aura. This chills foes whenever you are struck and reduces incoming damage by 10. Yeah, I use that. That's just like in the ranger raid build. Mm -hmm. Just combo the, the frost, frost trap, trap with the, frost the, trap. With the um, worldly impact. Mm -hmm. Bam. Yeah. Everybody gets frost aura. And the reaper. Mm -hmm. The reaper. Oh, the that's five good. and the two. Yeah. So the leap finisher gives you, well, gives yourself frost aura. Projectile finisher gives off chilled conditions to foes, so it just chills. It just it just chills. It just chills. It it's just chilling. chills. The world, the world, the world. Oh my god! Tony, just chill. The whirling finisher. Tony's tongue was hit by a frost trap. It's chilled. It's chilled. It shoots off chilling bolts, which gives off chill. <laughs> chill. I like it. That's my favorite one. Chill. All right. The fifth field, light field. Blast finisher gives off area condition cleanse. Leap finisher gives off light aura. And that gives you so that when you are struck you gain resolution and you and your condition damage is reduced. Condition damage on you is reduced by 10%. Projectile finisher removes conditions. So if let's say you're spaced off and you shoot a projectile and your allies in the field, you will cleanse conditions off of them. If they're in the way of while you're shooting your phone. And the whirling finisher gives off cleansing bolts. Cleanses Who conditions. doesn't like cleansing bolts? I know. Cleansing bolts. Forget cleansing juices, man. Just get the cleansing bolts. Yeah, you doing the cleanse? <laughs> I will be later on when I get on Guild Wars. I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel terrible. I feel terrible. Here you go. Some cleansing I bolts. <laughs> I got hit by too many cleansing bolts. No. And the sixth field, lightning field. So the blast finisher gives off area of swif swiftness. Leap finisher gives off dazing strike, which causes daze, which interrupts and prevents targets from using skills for a period of time. Projectile finisher gives vulnerability to the foe. And whirling finisher shoots off brutal bolts, which give off vulnerability. Seven. The opposite of chilling bolts. Mm -hmm. The seventh. <laughs> For those of you not here, Joe's got the hiccups, and it's hilarious. Oh, it's terrible. The seventh field, poison field. <laughs> the blast finisher gives off weakness to foes. Uh, the leap finisher gives off weakness to a foe. Projectile finisher gives poison to the foe. And whirling finisher shoots off poison bolts. Eighth smoke field now i'm sure you're familiar with this one <laughs> with your yeah brother 
the blast finisher gives area stealth to yourself and allies. <laughs> you just think you're stealth. Mm-hmm. The blast. You're not as sneaky as you think you are. And so now Joe's favorite, the leap finisher, gives yourself stealth. Oh, once I've hit a smoke field, <laughs> I am not leaping anywhere. <laughs> I am chilling. And the projectile finisher gives blindness to foes. Uh, the whirling finisher shoots off blinding bolts. That's right. <laughs> Keep those eyelids low. <laughs> I can't see. Just I figure like you just grab a handful of sand and you're just whirling it around, <laughs> throwing it up in the air. Or you're just kicking up dust as you go. <laughs> it's just like when you go into a place where you can smoke, like a casino. You go in a casino and there's just smoke in there and you're like, ah, oh, God, my eyes are shriveling up. There's your, there's your blast finisher right there. Just Yikes. Aerial blindness. Get me out of here. Okay, so ninth, last but not least, the water field. The blast finisher gives area healing, and if you're a druid, you know you activate that with your staff five, and then going and putting your three into it. You get that blast area healing. It's great. It's a good oh shit button. Leap finisher gives you healing. Projectile finisher gives regeneration, and whirling finisher shoots off healing bolts. And those are the nine fields. And a little bit about how they interact with all the finishers. One quick note, it's reading the wiki. So every class has all four finishers, but only some elite specs have some of them accessible. So for example, like elite finisher is not available on a core necro, but it is on a reaper. And a projectile finisher is not available on a core guardian, but are on a dragon hunter because they use longbow. And whirling finishers are not available on a core engineer, but are on a scrapper. So, so your mileage may vary. Yeah. Just get in there, dig into your own mechanics, mm-hmm. read your tool tips. For yeah. once, I know you're out there not reading your tool tips. Read your tool tips. They're a big help. I don't read my tool. Yeah, I do. I, I, I've I started to. to kind of now. <laughs> yeah, I have to. But they're 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 really good. Um, they add more depth to the gameplay. Yeah, they make it more dynamic. And you will just be better at the game honestly like if you start start practicing now Mm -hmm. start practicing now because if you like this is one of those things you wanted to start yesterday yeah because if you can just like if you're in a pvp match if you're in the open world it does not matter really probably open world probably not so much you won't pvp you won't die on your guardian if you use the combo i told you earlier Mm -hmm. you'll take 10 percent less damage plus your heavy armor you'll be fine Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. You can get away with going max deep, whatever. Yeah. Um, but if you're, you know, needing to escape and you know you have a leap and you see that, fi- um, this the smoke field or whatever. Yeah. And you can just zoop in and like, yes, yeah. leech off of somebody else's field they throw down. Like, yeah. That's the way to do it, man. You can stack might. You can stack. You can just become. There's all like, kinds of shit. Yeah. There's all kinds of shit. The game becomes multi-leveled once you unlock oh, combo yes. fields. That's yeah, that's one thing. Like, like it's hard enough, like figuring out your own stuff that you can do in combo with. But then, uh, you know, as as you play through and you gain more knowledge of it and you get used to it, you start comboing off of other people's fields and stuff. Uh, like oh, that, totally. Like we were saying, Tony's uh, been all about playing the Guardian in PvP, and I just I have to combo off of him. <laughs> what can I say? It's yeah. gives me all the cleanse I need. It's great. It's cool. Yeah, like I said, it's cool dynamic to the game. Makes it really in depth. 
And if you're working as a unit, like if you are duo queuing, I know not a lot of people liked PvP, mm-hmm. you know, um, but if you are like, just if you can press it, press it to the next level, do a little better, you know, like if you've got one person who can, you know, if you're taking two people taking 10% less damage is far more than enough to turn a fight. Oh, yeah. That little umph. It's just, it's just basically little umphs. Yeah. That's all they are. It's just numbers. Yeah. And you're stacking them in your favor. If you're cleansing the condies, if you're, you you're know, blinding if someone. you're invisible and they can't find you, if you can reposition and gain position, mm-hmm. like that's all going to tilt the fight in your favor. Someone's about to use big damage and you blind them and they miss all their shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. And then we can go a layer further and stop me, Tony, if I'm just rambling now. <laughs> But if they've cleansed that, like, if they cleanse early and the fire stacked and you can hop on and throw, like, a bunch of more stacks of fire on them, like, mm-hmm. if they've cleansed their burning and you can stack it back up really quick with a whirl or something like that. Yeah. But you really got to be paying attention for shit like that. Yeah. But, but that's, like, that's the little edge we're talking about. Like, if someone cleanses or cleanses down and someone else is there to do a whirl, like you said, whirling finisher and stack on more burning, like, in PvP, burning's op in general um it can do a lot of damage really quick yeah it doesn't matter what you are like burning stack hurts in pvp yeah even if you're not a condi class in it or even like you know 33 re- reduction of healing from poison and if they cleanse it off and you can just squeeze one more out it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how many stacks you have because they're not going to be able to heal mid-fight yeah or someone heals them heals them for really shitty and they still die and now that big heal's gone like yeah it's crazy work your combos learn your combos get better we've been going on about this but this is probably one of the most important things yeah to me personally (laughs) (laughs) to me (laughs) like (laughs) the game changes when you start really micromanaging your combos and just utilizing what you can Mm -hmm. like you can learn a rotation but this is shit that will make you shine Mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah that's the little excerpt there you go combo fields uh they're on the wiki if you want to look for them yourself um just i as highly like, recommend it because yeah. like listening to us i hope all that we've done is just inspire you or teach you what you can do mm-hmm. or just got you up off your lazy asses like we had to do mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh but yeah combo fields are fun and there you go yeah tony is there this brings us toward the end the end of the episode is there anything you want to say to the listeners um thanks for listening we truly appreciate it we're having a bunch of fun um yeah i hope you guys are having fun too and happy halloween i know i just passed but yeah we're gonna be a few days late this (laughs) is going up in a couple days yeah happy happy halloween three days later four days later (laughs) Happy, um, we already did a whole episode for that, Tony. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that was before. Wait, what day is it? It's, it's the first. Oh, shit. It's the first. We're in November now. Give me that rent money, boy. Don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll put the socials. Get on there, talk to us, mm-hmm. bother us. You don't bother us. We like hearing from you. Yeah. Pretend like you're bothering Apple. Did I ever say that? Rate us on Apple. Have I ever said that before? No. I didn't even know we could. And most importantly, fucking tell your guild to listen. Yeah. Ask them questions about the the shit you learn in our show. And if they don't know, 
tell them to listen. Mm-hmm. Or if there's shit we don't know, let us know. Let us know. There's hella shit we don't We're know. We're just so much. Us, Maybe don't. I don't know. Small doses? Small doses. <laughs> At us, but a little bit. But a little bit. <laughs> just the right amount. We're not going to tell you what that is, though. <laughs> just find the sweet medium. Yeah. All righty. Yeah, thanks. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you in Tyria. Goodbye.